What's up, what's up, what's up? It's Vegas, a.k.a. Mr. 702, live from the building, and we are about to go under the armor. At the age of 30, I feel that I am just being able to tap into my emotions and feelings. For so long in my life, I really compressed and contained and muddled how I felt about things. I am the type of person that if I feel like you've done me wrong, I'm probably just going to sit on it and tell you six months later. That's just the way I was. But at the age of 30, I have entered this vibrant zone of color and of emotions and of happiness and, you know, being disappointed and just letting people know how I feel and also letting people know how they make me feel. I think that is a crazy concept for a person like me because I'm just so used to not saying anything. I have over the years developed a stonewall type personality where I'm neither happy nor sad. I'm just chill. I'm just Vegas. I'm just me. But while that personality is safe, it's not the most productive. I think that one of the biggest challenges for me as a man is to understand my emotions and then express my emotions in a non-aggressive way. Because as a man and who I am as a person, I can very, very much turn a switch and become super dominant, super ignorant, super aggressive, super intimidating. It just, that type of person is unnecessary. That type of person is necessary in the theater of war, that type of person is necessary in MMA combat, that type of person is necessary in a hostile situation. But I would say on a day-to-day, that person is not necessary. When I look back at my childhood, I would say that I had a pretty normal Childhood. My mom was a single parent raising me for a long time, and then she got back with my dad, and then they separated once again. As a child, I just remember two big emotions, rage and happiness. I remember the happiness of all of us being in the garage at the cookout, sitting at the little table with my cousins, spending the night over at my cousin's house, staying up playing video games, going outside and playing until the lights came on. I remember like having to take showers because we smelled like outside. So I have a lot of great memories, but I also have a lot of memories of rage, just being so mad that you just, I don't know, like sometimes I feel like if I get too mad, that I'm able to slip and my body just does what it wants to do. And as a child, I think that that happened quite a bit. Um, I know that my mom had to repair many holes and walls. For me, just being so mad and just punching through things, like wanting to express my rage, wanting to get this energy out of me and wanting to just explode. And so growing up after a while, I just started compressing everything. Like, everything went into this little box. Everything went into this small, little 
volcano and just hoping that it never got tipped over. But if I was to be honest, it gets tipped over every now and again. Every once in a while, something happens that just sends me to the deep end. And a lot of times it's because I'm so tightly wound that that was the hair that broke the camel's back. However, since turning 30 on November 2nd, well, even before turning 30, really, just in this last season, I don't know when it started to happen, and I really don't know when I started to shift, but one of my truest goals now is to experience all feelings, all spectrum of feelings, feeling happiness, feeling sad, feeling disappointed, feeling surprised, feeling loved, feeling wanted, feeling appreciated, feeling grateful, feeling open. And so I really think that one of the biggest changes in my life is just allowing myself to feel. And not just allowing myself to feel, also allowing myself to express feelings. So allowing myself to feel is a whole journey and junctures of just putting down multiple walls. Like I have been insulated so long that I just felt like I lived in a fortress where, yeah, people could see me and every now and again a person would visit. But like to say that I was open and exposed, that would be quite a fair lie. And so now in this new season in my life, I'm trying to tear down the walls to let more people in. I don't know what it is. I, I call it tribalism. And that might not even be a word, but I just feel like for people to really understand who you are and understand your vision and understand your journey, they really need to see how you feel. Because like, I don't know, I just feel like when people, when you share emotions with people, it makes a deeper connection. And one of my things that I've been striving here recently is to make more grand connections, making connections that are more impactful, making connections that are more reinforced, making connections that are structured for a purpose. And so in this last season, I've just been really able to open up and feel people's emotions. Like I'm not a big empathy person because a lot of my mindset is performance-based. But at the same time, now I'm starting to understand that even in performance, that emotions play a huge factor. If you are not emotionally okay with whatever's going on in your home life, even if you can compartmentalize and go to work, it's going to affect your work. If your work life is so stressful that it burns you out, it's going to affect your home. So it is just a thing of just being emotionally okay. And I think that that's why I've um, also become so in love with meditation because it allows me to step out of side of my brain and really look at things, look at situations, look at um, different things in my life. Like recently, because I'm getting in touch with my emotions, I've really been going in my past and my brain and just really remembering things that I think I suppressed for a long time. And just really looking at my emotional upbringing and how things were done and so trying to deal with the past and improve on the future is pretty 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 aggressive because I just don't want to be emotionally incomplete I feel like 
for so long, nobody has known who I truly am or what I truly stand for. Like, yeah, they see the morals and they see my standards. And a lot of people commend me on just, you know, being a hard worker and things. But, like, no, like, there's an emotional reason why I am the way I am. And I think that in this season, I've just been awakening my emotions and just learning how to feel, learning how to feel other people's emotions, and also learning how to avoid certain feelings altogether. Um, One of the things that I have been proud of was me and my boss. We were getting into a heated conversation and he had his ideas and I had my ideas. And then I just asked him, I said, you know, um, can I just get five minutes to get myself together? Because the way this conversation is going right now, um, I'm not really listening. And so like, let me get myself back to an emotional baseline so that I can understand what you're trying to communicate and so that we can come up with a resolution. Now, for some people, they might be like, oh, that's regular. But not for me. Like, for me to be in a situation where I feel like my alpha, my primal is coming out and to be able to be like, you know what? We don't have to go there. We can disengage from the situation and we can get ourselves together and then we can come back and understand the situation. I just think that that's a very, very, very big step for me. So if you're out there and you're struggling with your emotions and you're trying to figure out how to you know, feel emotions or how to express emotions, I I just encourage you to just keep trying and just know that, like, these emotions are going to be there whether you deal with them or not. These emotions are always there subconsciously, and I would encourage you to bring what you feel to the forefront and be able to deal with it and process it, and then, you know, once you're able to do that, then go to the next step of communicating it in a non-aggressive way. Just remember that emotions also are temporary, and so, like, what you feel today is not what you may feel tomorrow. I am so incredibly obsessed with success. Like, it is such a drug of mine that it scares me. I want to be so successful. I want to be generation wealth successful. I want to be King Solomon in the Bible successful. So it just really is something that has me going and keeps me going. If I was to be quite honest, I can't remember the last time I woke up to my alarm. Even on days where I'm not supposed to be at work, I wake up about five, six o'clock in the morning. Just because there's so much things to get done on a day-to-day basis. I literally believe in working seven days a week because that's just the type of grind that I have in my soul. I don't even know the last time I really, really was looking at what I was getting paid hourly compared to the work I was putting in. Being in a position of sales, you know that one or two sales could make or break your commission for the month. And so you're always working, trying to find that big fish. And on my way to find those big fish, I try to find every small fish. I try to absorb and collect all potential money that's out there. That is a blessing and it is a curse because I will literally work 
until my eyes hurt. And recently, it's been something that I've had to kind of like calm down because the amount of time I'm looking at a computer in my eyes, in my eyes, in my mind, it's just not healthy. Like there are times where I do 14, 16 hours. And a lot of that time is looking at a computer, continuous computer lookage, continuous looking on the screen, continuous looking, continuous looking, continuous looking, continuous looking. And with that being said, it's just like, I just really want to just not do that anymore because that's a pretty scary feeling too. And I just believe like my addiction with success is something that can turn bad very quickly. I'm the type of person that if I could, I would probably sleep at work. And I don't think that I was put on this earth to be an employee. I don't think that I was put on this earth to work for other people because I just have this goal and this desire to be my own boss, to bet on myself, to raise the stakes, knowing that like whatever I touch because of my work ethic, my education, my determination, my drive, my zeal, my ambition, my testosterone. Like, I really believe that I can do all things. Like, there is nothing on this earth that I cannot accomplish with hard work, planning, and dedication. And so, my obsession with success becomes my biggest skill and my biggest asset, but it's also my biggest downfall and can be my biggest flaw. I am so obsessed with success that I do believe in being performance-based. And being a performance-based person, I don't care about how feelings, like I do not care about feelings based upon performance. And though I understand that psychology of it, that if you feel better, you work better. But I also want to hearken on the fact that you should work to standard regardless of how you feel, whether you're sick, whether you're, you know, you're not male, you're not well mentally, whether you are going through a traumatic experience. I do not have the empathy for people that need breaks from their responsibilities due to situations in their personal life. And I do apologize for it. But in my head, in the way I think about life, yo, you got to eat the cheese. You just have to handle what you can handle until you can get a moment to cry or scream or howl at the moon. But once you are working, once you are chasing your dream, once you are trying to become successful every day, regardless of how you feel, you need to get up and try to do what it is that you want to do. One of my more lighthearted things is every day I wake up and say, I got to make a thousand dollars today. The real number is $1,294. That's how much money I want to make per day within the job that I am in right now. Because I know that if I consistently hit that marker, that in the end of the month, the revenue is going to be so positive that it's going to be a very successful month for the whole team. Now, I love business. I love creation. I have a passion for it and I want to become an owner. But unfortunately, due to certain situations, I am not an owner. I am at one of the highest level of management, but I am not an owner. So a lot of times what kind of 
vexes my spirit and vexes my soul is because I'm not an owner because it's only certain things that owners can do. But at the same time, I'm blessed in the current job that I have right now that I have an opportunity to learn from a wise person who has been in this type of ownership and been in this field for so long that I'm really picking up valuable information. But all things can be true at the same time equally. And then I must say, because I'm not an owner, it just makes me want to work so much harder. Because like in my head, in my soul, in my ambition, in my mind, I should have been an owner two, three years ago. So at the age of 30, I was supposed to be owning something. And unfortunately, I am 30 and I'm still working and I'm happy to work, but my desire to own and my desire to create and my desire to do business on a grand scale is just getting hungrier and hungrier. And Lord willing, matter of fact, not even Lord willing, I declare that by October 1, 2020, that I will be in the process of owning something. I don't know what that is. I do want it to be a gym because I love fitness. But from the depths of my heart, by October 1, 2020, I will be in the process of writing my signatures down on something to own. Whether that's my own fitness brand, whether that's another fitness brand, whether that's me owning something that doesn't even have to do with fitness, I do declare and decree today that I will own something. And my goal within the next quarter is to find out what type of owner I want to be and to also find multiple businesses that could have quick investments that could yield substantial profit. So if you're out there and you're an entrepreneur or you just want to start your own thing, whether that be start your own podcast, start your own cosmetic line, start your own hair service, start your own anything, remember keep pushing, keep pressing. Because in this life, there are some people that's going to be owners. And there are some people that's going to be employees. And if you were born to be an owner, you will never, ever, ever, ever be happy unless you move and shift. And even if you don't succeed right away, the struggle and the thrill of owning something that you can call your own is going to give you so much just joy and happiness and bliss because it's going to be yours and you're going to own it. So remember to all my owners out there, all my entrepreneurs, all my independent business mind people, keep working on it. Whether that's working on your organizational structure, working on your marketing, networking with other people, finding different investors, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because as there's going to become a day when you look back and you're so thankful that when you could have gave up and when you wanted to give up and when you probably should have gave up, that you kept pressing on. And when that day happens, when you can sit back and you can look at your company or you can look at your business or you can look at your idea and it's fully developed, that's going to be the joy of watching your child be born. Because I believe my business is just as sacred as the two kids that I put on this earth. If you feel like my podcast has a positive impact on your life, please support me by going on anchor.fm forward slash Joshua hyphen Broomfield 
and just supporting the podcast or just sending me a voice message. Talk to me. If you think I can do better, tell me where I can do better. If one of the subjects personally touch you, just let me know. Talk to me. Talk to me because I'll talk back. And remember, we're always going to go under the armor. Who is responsible for your pleasure? Is it you? Is it your partner? Is it your situation? Is it your job? So pleasure in itself is such a wide spreading, vast terminology because in all things in life, we are looking for pleasure. When you eat, you want it to taste good, good tasting food, pleasure. When you go to work, you want to be compensated well, good paying job, pleasure. When you go to work, you also want it to be as less stressful as possible. So a job that has good, calm, good base, pleasure. When you find a partner, you want a partner that understands you. So empathy, understanding, communication, pleasure. And you definitely want a partner that looks good to you. So sexual attraction, pleasure. You want your partner to perform well in the bedroom. So like performance of high standards when it comes to intimacy, pleasure. But all these things that we want from our partner and from life and from everything else, is that responsibility? Nobody but our own. If you want pleasure, you have to A, seek it and you have to be demanded. And why I say A, seek it first? Because like, how are you going to demand something you don't even know if you want? Like, how can you ask for something that you don't even know if you're going to enjoy it? I think that a lot of times we, and I mean talking we as human beings, we stay in situations that are unpleasurable because we don't feel like we have the right to demand a higher standard of pleasure. And that's just not in relationships. You can take this for relationships. You can take this for life. You can take this for business. You can take this for a bunch of things. But what I really am starting to realize is that no matter if my day is good or my day is bad, I'm responsible for finding the pleasure in it. So I have a saying called stop and smell the roses. And it can be anything. Today, I stopped and smelled the roses by looking at this wonderful art on this abandoned, I want to say, mechanic shop. And like all these hearts and all these hands and all these H's. And it was just some beautiful art. But just to stand there and bask at the creativity. Somebody put in days and weeks of just creating this art on these um on this on this platform. And so it was my job to just stand there and just marvel at it. And because you know we live in a social media world, I have a bunch of pictures on it, but for the most part, it was just a pleasurable moment. I had just got done playing basketball. I was exhausted. Um, I was heading over to Whole Foods to look for, um, not Whole Foods, but Yes Organics. I was heading over to Yes Organics to look for an anti-inflammatory because I had got some contact today driving in the lane and just my hip was just a little bit sore than usual. So just dealing with that hip discomfort made me want to find something to maybe like, maybe it was just a muscle bruise and maybe I just bruised it. So I really just went into there, but like, it just stopped me and was like, no matter what you got going on right now, 
this is going to make you feel good. This art, like I love art, that's pleasure. I love music, that's pleasure. I love cooking. I think I'm one of the meanest chefs in the world. When I'm in my bag and I'm grooving and I got my tunes on, I really feel like there's nobody that can cook better than me. And so, like, I even find pleasure in my job. Like, I literally love business. Like, I love trying to figure out how to make things work. And I love when I figure out what can work. Like, I never want to be a dishonest business person because I want my name to be forever remembered in time as a visionary and as a pioneer. So I don't want to do anything that would bring shame to my name if I was to leave this earth. I never want my kids to be ashamed of having my name. However, I do believe that in this world we live in nowadays, that the ones that are willing to take the risk, the ones that are willing to jump on something, the ones that are willing to be the first are going to be the millionaires and billionaires. There's so many new billionaires. And so my name gets needs to be put on the list. So one of my pleasures is just telling myself, you got three years to make a billion dollars. You got three years to make a million dollars. And so like, that's really one of my goals. So my first goal is to be able to look in my bank account and see $100,000. Not work for $100,000, not gain $100,000, not have an investor lend me $100,000 to just simply look into my bank account and be able to have $100,000 gives me pleasure. Now, because these are pleasures, they can also fill into Moments of passion and moments of rage and moments of just pure insanity. So even with me seeking and demanding pleasure, I have to also understand that the thing that makes me feel good could be the thing that's not good for me. I have a perfect example of this. I love the pecan caramel cookies. So delicious. Chocolate, caramel, pecans, cookie. There's not much, nothing better. But last year, or no, not last year, but a couple months ago, I did a no white sugar challenge. So for 30 days, I didn't have no white sugar. It was just, just, uh, it was just one of those times. But however, after those 30 days, I messed around and ate eight pecan turtle cookies and my stomach was hurting. It was the first time the cookies, which give me so much pleasure because they taste good and I enjoy them and I usually eat them right before I go to bed. Now it's giving me so much discomfort that my stomach hurts so bad that I'm not even allowed to enjoy the cookies I just ate because I really just want to throw the cookies up so my stomach can feel better. So always remember the pleasure that you are seeking can easily easily change itself to be the calamity, be the downfall, be the destruction that you are also enduring. So what's your pleasure though, especially when it comes to your intimacy level? Like we've already discussed demanding good intimacy, but you also have to find out what makes you go. And I challenge everybody to just take a moment and just ask themselves, if you are being intimate with your partners or partners or however you swing in whatever way you go, are you in the moment not only for their pleasure, but for your own? Because a lot of times when we are being intimate, 
it's my guesstimation that we are not being selfish enough. Like you have to find your own orgasm. And this is not as hard for men as it is for women because we are programmed to orgasm once we reach a certain climate. And so like our orgasm for the most part is going to be guaranteed. You know, there are levels where, you know, as you evolve in your intimacy level that you do not have to orgasm, but not many of us is on that level. So orgasm for a man is going to be guaranteed. But I feel, and I could be wrong, that orgasm for a woman should be just as guaranteed. And though that does not mean that I am saying that every man should know how to make you come to climax, but you should know how to make you come to climax that if you are to instruct and assist your partner in helping you climax, that you should get there because no man truly knows a woman body better than that woman. So like as a man, I could be doing all types of things that are wrong and that are incorrect and that'll get you further and further from your orgasm simply because I don't really know. It might feel good to me and not feel good to you. So ladies, I challenge you to figure out what makes you climax, how you climax, and in what emotional, physical, and sexual state you need to be in to obtain that climax, and then go a step further and be able to communicate with your partner so that they can ensure that you have a climax. Remember, to be more real, be more human, be more honest. Catch me next time as we continue to go under the armor. There is a famous saying that is quoted, Rome was not built in a day. And I think for me, that is a quote that I have to look at each and every day because of just the level of ambition I have. I truly believe that I can accomplish anything I put my mind to. However, how fast or how slow I accomplish it is based upon my zeal and my passion. The things that I'm most passionate about, I must admit that I lack patience. One of the things that I've really been working on is trying to develop more patience. Patience not only with people, but patience just with myself. I think that if we were to be forthcoming, that we are always our biggest critics. We didn't work hard enough. We didn't do enough. We didn't contact enough people. Um, I know personally for me, when I'm at work, especially when I'm at work within my gym life, I'm like, did I maximize the time I was here? And so like, even for myself, just viewing what I accomplish on a day-to-day basis, I have to have patience. Now, one of the things that I struggle with is finding that balance between ambition and patience. Because when I wake up, I am ready to go. Um, One of the things about me that I find quite interesting is that my body wakes itself up at four o'clock every morning. Alarm, no alarm, phone off, phone on, went to bed at eight o'clock, went to bed at midnight. It doesn't matter. The body is going to wake itself up. I just think that my mind and my body are conditioned to be up at that time. However, um, just sharing a personal bit of tidbit, I woke up this morning, I thought about life and just thought about what I had to do today. 
Um, I kind of was just grateful just to be alive at four o'clock in the morning, getting up on a Sunday. And so I laid back down. And for me, that is showing patience because even though I was mentally ready to start my day, I kind of felt like my body needed a few more hours of sleep. So even though I woke up at four and I began to process things and I began to create thought and even just thinking about how I was going to create my day as far as from a structure standpoint, I also identified that sleep was one of the best things that I needed and therefore I went back to sleep. And so I'm always trying to figure out the chemical compound that is patience with ambition. And I can tell you, it is very, very hard because there are times where my ambition takes over so much that I feel like there is no need to be patient. I have the skills. I have the capability. I have the ingenuity. I have the ideology in order to accomplish that goal. And so I just need to accomplish it. But what I'm starting to realize now is just like nature, just like a tree, a tree can be very big, strong, and powerful, but that tree needs time to develop. It needs nourishment. It needs um, sunlight. It needs water. It needs all these things. And most of all, it needs time. Like if you plant a tree in your backyard right now and you leave it there for a month, it's not going to be a big enough tree that you can hang a hammock over or or that you can use for shade. No, it's going to be a baby tree. And so, like, we have to have patience and understanding that sometimes you put stuff into the ground and it takes a long time for it to manifest. One of the other things that I am developing along with my patience is just coming to the realization that other people are not like me. And that doesn't mean I'm better or that I'm worse than other people, but everybody functions different. Um, I am just a type A go-getter, one percenter. I eat, breathe, live what I do, the things that I find passion with. I'm just all in. I roll up my sleeves and I go all in. However, um, one of my biggest mentors, my grandpa Pierre, he is just a smooth customer. Like he never is moving at a pace that's not his own. If it doesn't get done, it just doesn't get done. Um, he's just a very, very different type of person, but he still is productive and he still accomplishes his goal. And neither way is right and neither way is wrong. However, because I work in the workplace where I work with other people that I have to depend on to get stuff done, I have to understand that everybody doesn't move like me. And common sense is not common. And that really sucks because I wish I could just download my brain into all my employees and we could all think alike and we could all move alike because it would make life easier. However, if everybody had my brain, they wouldn't have their own unique creativity and their own unique skills that they bring to the table. And so while part of me wants everybody to be on one accord and everybody to think like me and everybody to move like me, there's another part of me that understands that I have to allow these people to shine in their own greatness and to use the skills that they naturally have. And some of their skills might not be skills that I might deem critical for what I'm trying to accomplish, but in the long haul and in the totality of who they are and how they can aid the company, I must ensure that these skills are something that these people can actually use. 
and actually perform without feeling like they're being restricted or these skills are not worth much. Um, I also am learning to have patience while looking at long-term objectives. If anybody knows me, I am very performance-based driven. So I look at hard numbers. Um, I look at how you're performing. I look at how myself is performing. And um, one of the things I'm starting to realize now is that even within the numbers, it really doesn't tell the whole story. Like what if there was a person that got tied up at work servicing customers and stuff? If you have a goal of 100 calls a day, but you were servicing customers for most of the day, then you might not be able to get to that 100 calls a day. And that's just something that I'm starting to realize now. I think that for me personally, um, one of the greatest things that I do now is I just start telling myself what does not get done today can be done tomorrow. And that is a very, very powerful statement for me because I know that when I am really trying to accomplish something, that I will stay up into the wee hours, I will burn midnight oil trying to get it done, but that's not really healthy neither because then I'm tired and I'm irritable and I'm not performing at maximum capacity for the next day because I didn't have enough patience and I didn't have enough understanding to stop doing what I was doing, allow my body to get adequate rest so for the next day I could perform at an optimal level. Remember, patience, patience, patience. Rome was not built in a day. If you know me, you know that business is business. I love business. I think that when I received my master's in business, it was just a confirmation on what already was naturally there. And so I literally take joy out of understanding business, the structure, the operations, the marketing, the details, the devil. The devil, the devil is always in the details. So the first thing I must ask you is what value do you bring to your field? Are you a yoga instructor? Are you a salesperson? Are you a Nike employee? Are you a healthcare worker? Are you a personal trainer? No matter your field, there has to be a value in what you offer as your service. So this world moves money in the same way that energy is moved. It can be received, it can be held, it can be distributed, it can burst, it can have smooth flows. And so like, for me, my ideology on business is I have to find a way to collect and keep energy. And so the best way for you to collect and keep the energy, which is business, is to have value. Because when somebody perceives the value of something, then price is not important. Let me say that again. When somebody perceives the value of something, then price is not important. Um, If you are a high-class woman and purses are your thing, it doesn't matter that that purse is $1,200. The value of that purse makes it worth it. Whether it be, you know, Dooney and Burke, Michael Kors, um, 
I don't know. I'm just naming the purses that my mom likes to buy with my money. So, them the ones that I know I bought before. And I'll be like, good Lord, this purse expensive. But, you know, moms are always right. Shout out to my mom. She just had her birthday yesterday. Turned 21 because you never ask a lady what her age is. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get back on topic. Are you an owner or are you an employee? One of the greatest realizations that you can have with yourself is understanding are you an owner or are you an employee do you want to wake up and have to have the self-discipline to create your own schedule understanding that the goal is to make as much monetary impact whether it be money now or future money or are you more content with putting on your shoes and clocking in and clocking out and, and coming back home? Because the mindset and the understanding of an owner is going to be much different than the understanding of an employee. A great employee does not necessarily equal a great owner. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience, if it is in you to own something... You can be a great employee, but eventually you might not make it simply because your mindset is in how can we improve? How can we be more productive? What do our numbers look like? An employee, they just really trying to figure out what my check going to look like in two weeks. But an owner, an owner is thinking one minute, one hour, one day, one week, one month and one year. All in the same thought process because what you do now has an impact on what happens later. So you need to really go into your lab and really think about what you want to do. Because we live in a world where there's a lot of entrepreneurs, but they're not a lot of business people. There's a lot of people that I own my own this and I launched my own that and I'm creating my own this and there's nothing wrong with it. I think that everybody has the ability and the opportunity to create their own path in life. However, if I could be so honest with you, you really need to go inside yourself and figure out, do you want to work for somebody for the rest of your life or do you want to work for yourself for the rest of your life? Me? <laughs> it goes without questioning. I desire to work for myself. I believe that the safest bet in life is for me to bet upon myself. And so by October 1st, 2020, I will be doing a podcast telling you that I am owning something. I could be owning multiple things. I don't even know. 2020, it's looking amazing. Just planning it, looking at it, it's looking like it's going to be a year of just dynamic level shifting changes and stuff so as we end this 2019 you really need to just find out who you want to be as far as within business because either you're going to work for somebody or you're going to work for yourself but unless you're just blessed to live off of some type of assistance you're going to work regardless so with that being said if you are an owner or if you have that owner spirit in you the next thing I encourage you to do is take a leap of faith. Start declaring it. Start telling people. Start being held accountable. Give yourself a deadline. Let it be known. Because 
just because you feel it in your spirit and just because you feel it in your ambition until you really start putting it out in the universe, um, it, it really could be a thought. Um, I always say that the the best place with the most ideas and the most things that could change the world is in the grave. So many people have great ideas and great plans and great concepts that were never put into practice because they just never shared them. And they never forced themselves to manifest them. Like the thought process is the seed. And this goes back to patience. However, the manifestation of such thought could take time and takes dedication and takes self discipline. So whether you're an owner or you're an, or you're an employee, I challenge you. How is your level of self discipline? And it is on par with your desires and what your ambitions in life. Remember, business is always business because it is just about business. If you don't know by now, the last topic from time to time always has a bit of spice to it. It's like a serenio pepper, just a little bit of kick. So when does intimacy start? Is it the visual? Physical? Mental? Intellectual? Emotional? How do you keep your partner interested? Is the techniques and practice that worked during month one, are they still having the same effectiveness in year one? Does your move still garner the response that you wanted to or is it time to break out a new move is are you oversaturating your partner with the same technique and you need to change it up these are the questions we need to ask when it comes to our intimacy level it is my firm belief that while we may have more sexual partners or we have more sexual expression because of Facebook, Instagram, and everything else, I don't think we're as intimate as our forefathers were. Like When you look at old Shakespearean poems and the writing of intimacy, the devil is always in the details. So telling a woman that you want to caress her and fondle her is very much different than telling a woman that you want to beat it from the back on whatever hip-hop lingo version that you want to use. I think that for intimacy's sake, there has to be a level of genesois. There has to be some type of flow that is not of the norm. It has to kind of revert back to the old school because... Barry White told you in the secret garden of love that he would take good care of you. Like, there has to be a level of nostalgia when it comes to intimacy because I really think that, just from a man's point of view, that if you will embody some of the old school, I think that you will see a woman that is quite unknown for today. But that's neither here nor there. How do you keep your partner intimate, interested and intimately connected to you without the use of penetration? Because we know the world works in a way 
that you can't just be being super intimate with your partner every hour of every day. You ain't getting no work done. And we've all probably had a weekend of frolicking in the bed and eating fruit snacks and grapes and strawberries and drinking alkaline water. Because every now and again, you need to have a, you know, vacation or a lovecation or you need to be took into love land and, and, and tied down there until you feel like love flows through every course of your vein. But my question is, how do you keep your partner interested? How do you continue to keep that spark when y'all are not together? Because Unless you just own your own business or y'all are just financially blessed to have so much money where neither one of y'all have to work, you're probably going to spend more time apart than being together. Now, this does help because we know that when you miss somebody, it actually makes those feelings feel good again. So it's nothing wrong with missing your partner, but how do you stimulate your partner from a distance? Do you do it through a text message? When you have on your good leggings and the mirror is hitting just right, do you send a picture? Um, is there some type of communication y'all have? Do y'all have a set day of fun and play? Like all of these things add to intimacy because I just believe that intimacy is a expression of A, your creativity. So nobody wants unseasoned chicken, brown rice, and broccoli type intimacy. <laughs> you know, so, you know, one day you might want Italian type intimacy, and then the next day you might want something a little bit more hardcore. You might want a, a shot of Jack Daniels type intimacy, and then because it is, you know, relaxing Sunday, you might want a dry red wine of type intimacy. You know, all these things can be encompassed into how you and your partner are connected in understanding that your partner may need a different type of intimacy based upon A, their emotional baseline, and B, how they're feeling within that moment. Because like there are times when we feel risque, and there are times when we want to be coddled. And both things can be true. We just have to make sure that A, it's communicated so that the task can be done and be as the person that's offering a task, you understand that this is what your partner needs. I think one of the greatest things you can do as far as intimacy is to please your partner, whether it be sexually or non-sexually, with nothing expected in return. Like when's the last time you really, really gave your partner an abundance amount of pleasure and you didn't want anything back, only to see them bask in the heavenly glory that is their type of pleasure. Now, this pleasure could be as simple as sitting down and watching white comedy. Or this pleasure could be a little bit more adult-like, like making sure that they climax multiple times. Or this pleasure could be just holding them when they have a bad day. I think that we relate intimacy only to that BET After Dark, Pornhub special type of sexual orientation. But if we were to be quite honest, sometimes just breathing into your partner's life and letting your partner know that despite how crazy things may look, that they're doing a good job and that you're overall proud of them, that can be some of your most intimate moments. So if you 
have been lacking and slacking on your intimacy. If you haven't changed it up, if you're still using the same combination, do something different. Get some flowers. Adorn them. Make them feel special. Get their favorite wine. Get their favorite food. Make them feel like they're on top of the world because you want them to do the same for you. And a lot of times when you make your partner feel special, just that warm feeling of them being happy can make you happy as well because intimacy starts way before you even get to penetration.